Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Chipmunk Punk from 1980. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He said that... Liberty Records released Witch Doctor as a single on April 1st, 1958. It was performed by David Seville. Seville was the stage name of singer, songwriter, and actor... Ross Bagdasarian. Prior to the release of Witch Doctor, Bagdasarian had minor success as an actor on Broadway and even appearing in a handful of films such as Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. In 1951, he wrote a number one hit released by Rosemary Clooney entitled Come On to My House. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you marriage ring and the pomegranate Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you peach and pear and I love your hair. But Witch Doctor, a novelty song, would become David Seville's first number one hit that he performed. And it stayed number one for three weeks and even went platinum. The song was created by Seville experimenting with speed control on a tape recorder he'd bought for $200 from his family savings. The song was essentially a duet with himself, his normal voice, and then his own voice played at double speed. That technique went on to win him two Grammys for engineering. A few months later, he used this same technique to record a follow-up single, The Bird on My Head. Though not as successful as Witch Doctor, it still reached number 34. On my head. I'm just sitting in a vacant lot with a bird sitting on my head. Wicked, wicked, cruel, cruel world, what have you done to me? I belong in someone's arms, and I belong in a tree. Wicked, wicked, cruel, cruel world, this is... Then, in November of 1958, Seville used this technique yet again. This time, those sped-up vocals would be credited to the chipmunks. The Chipmunk song, parentheses, Christmas Don't Be Late, was written, produced, and performed by Ross Bagdasarian, once again billed as David Seville. Seville was the adoptive father of the Chipmunks. Their names, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, were actually named after the real-life executives at Liberty Records. The song was an incredible success, spending four weeks at number one, even staying there several weeks past Christmas. It sold an incredible four million copies in only seven weeks, the song went on to win three Grammys and was nominated for Record of the Year. During this incredible run, 
the Chipmunks made their first on-screen appearance as puppets alongside Seville on The Ed Sullivan Show. A very, very cute number, but naturally, this is the Christmas season, so we should have Alvin and his little pal sing the Christmas song. Huh? Well, thank you, Ed. I hope I can get... In October of 1961, The Alvin Show debuted on the CBS television network. It was the first animated series to feature the chipmunks. This is the Alvin Show, the Alvin Show. You're positively gonna love the Alvin Show. There's Dave Seville, and what is more? Here's the boy who giggles known as Theodore. Now you see, on camera three, the brother known as Simon on the family tree. Here's the star of the show, Alvin! The Alvin Show aired for one season in primetime, followed by CBS rerunning the show on Saturday mornings for a few years after the show's primetime run ended. In the mid and late 60s, segments from the show were repackaged in syndication under the name Alvin and the Chipmunks. After their TV run ended, they continued to release albums such as The Chipmunks Sing with Children and The Chipmunks Sing the Beatles Hits. Bagdasarian owned Chipmunk Enterprises, which handled all Chipmunk-related sales. In 1963, Billboard magazine estimated the total income from the Chipmunks' record sales to be around $20 million, which by today's standards would be around $165 million. But then, on January 16, 1972, just 11 days before his 53rd birthday, Ross Bagdasarian suddenly died of a heart attack at his home in Beverly Hills. He left the Chipmunks franchise to his wife and three children, Carol, Adam, and Ross Jr. Ross Bagdasarian Jr. said in an interview that he worshipped his father and felt he needed to continue his work. Here he is talking about this on NPR's How I Built This with Guy Raz. After my dad had passed away, I would go up into his office and just listen to the songs that he had done. I watched the old TV shows that he had done, uh, The Alvin Show, and I just thought I didn't want the chipmunks to pass away as suddenly as my dad did. For the next several years, the newly married Ross Jr. and his wife Janice Carmen tried to revive the chipmunks pitching new shows and albums to various studios and production companies, only to be turned down repeatedly. But those rejections just fueled them. They both believed it would work and were determined to keep trying no matter how long it took. Then, suddenly, there was hope. That hope started out as a joke from a radio DJ. Here's Janice Carmen talking to NPR about that moment. The turning point was a disc jockey in Philadelphia at 3 o'clock in the morning played a Blondie song and sped it up and told his listeners that it was the latest song from this album, Chipmunk Punk. He was being completely (coughs) facetious. The joke ended up getting that radio station tons of requests for the new Chipmunk song. Shortly after, Ross Jr. got a phone call from someone at Excelsior Records, a subsidiary of Pickwick Records. Pickwick was a small label mostly known for releasing sound-alike records, often claiming to be the original, but in reality were just covers of popular hits. They were also known for their bargain bin reissues and repackagings. Now, they wanted to make chipmunk punk a reality. Steve Vining, a then 25-year-old A&R director for the label, 
got the idea from one of his Philadelphia field reps and suggested making an album. My boss looked at me sideways, Vining said in a 1980 interview with People magazine, but eventually said, do it. Ross Jr. and Janet immediately said yes to the idea. Then, on June 15, 1980, Chipmunk Punk was released on Excelsior Records. Alvin! Yes, Dave? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Despite being called chipmunk punk, as you're about to hear, the album doesn't really contain anything considered to be punk. For track one, Alvin and the Chipmunks covered Let's Go by The Cars. There seem to be conflicting reports of who actually voiced the chipmunks on Chipmunk Punk. The album's back cover only lists Alvin, Simon, and Theodore as the performers. Some sources claim that Ross Jr., Janice Carmen, and Steve Vining, who also ended up producing the album, provided the voices. But according to the 1980 People magazine article, Ross Jr. left the production to Vining and Pickwick studio manager and co-producer Bob McNabb. They used Ross Sr.'s method of playing instrumental tracks at half speed while recording the vocals. When played back at normal speed, the familiar chipmunk voices were back. Ross Jr. still insisted on total approval. He'd get to listen to the tapes and tell them which ones worked and which ones didn't. He said bands like the Sex Pistols were off-limits, and certain raunchy lyrics would be changed to fit the chipmunk's family-friendly style. I suppose all of this somewhat explains the lack of punk on the album. While not so much punk, one of the raunchier songs on the album was The Knack's Good Girls Don't. Lyrics like, wishing you could get inside her pants, became, wishing you would get another chance. And the chipmunks sang, till she's sitting at your place, instead of, till she's sitting on your face. There are only nine songs on the album, and three of them are covers of The Knack, also covering Frustrated and My Sharona, which somehow didn't seem to have any of the lyrics changed. Yeah. 
The Knack's original version of My Sharona actually influenced songwriter Billy Steinberg to write a song for what would become a hit by the very not-punk Linda Ronstadt. I don't know much No, not that one. The song Steinberg wrote for her was also released in 1980, during her new wave phase, which was close enough for Chipmunk Punk to cover How Do I Make You. Side two of the album kicked off with the song that started this whole chipmunk revival, a cover of Call Me, by the closest thing to a punk band on the album, Blondie. In 2005, Chipmunk Punk was reissued on CD available on the Chipmunks website. On the CD version, Call Me was bumped up to the opening track. Blondie guitarist Chris Stein told People Magazine that having the Chipmunks cover them was an honor equal to having the Bee Gees or the Osmonds cover a song. While he may have been joking, he was more positive than Rick Ocasek of the Cars, who said, quote, I think it sucked. It sounds like they did the whole album in a day. There were a couple of singles from the album released on 45, the first of which included an insert that was a typed letter from Alvin signed with his paw print. The letter read, for the past few months, Simon, Theodore, and I have been working on an album filled with today's music and getting back to our roots. We're doing what we do best, and I hope we can spread joy across the country. We hope you'll help by playing our songs. P.S. You'll love Simon's sax solo on You May Be Right. Yes, the Billy Joel song. On a so-called punk album. The album also featured covers of legendary but certainly not punk bands Queen and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Rolling Stone magazine said the album was a symptom of corporate greed in the world of television animation. But that didn't stop people from buying it. The album peaked at number 34 on the Billboard 200 and was certified gold four months after its release. The Chipmunks were back. It's the Chipmunks on Chipmunk Punk. Here's Refugee. <laughs> Simon, Theodore, and Alvin are back for sure. Simon plays bass on Crazy Little Thing Called Love. With the Chipmunks, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore on Chipmunk Funk. Order now. Here's how. The success of the album ended up leading to another Saturday morning cartoon series, Alvin and the Chipmunks, which began in 1983 and also aired on NBC. We'll bring you action and satisfaction. We'll you 
The show ran for eight seasons, all the way into 1990, with Ross Jr. voicing Dave, Alvin, and Simon, while wife Janice voiced Theodore. In the years since, the Chipmunks have even made their way onto the big screen. On December 14, 2007, Alvin and the Chipmunks was released in theaters and grossed $361 million worldwide. The film's soundtrack peaked at number five on the Billboard 200 and earned the Chipmunks their third platinum album. It's pretty incredible that a joke from a bored radio DJ led to a total revival of some classic characters. The success of Chipmunk Punk even led to another cartoon character releasing a so-called punk album. In 1981, Pink Panther Punk was released on Kid Stuff Records. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and go ahead and leave a review while you're at it. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums. And I'm at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram. If you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at BizarreAlbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.